Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Bottom Line Show Live, and I'm your show host, Dame Lillian Walker, and we are here in bright, beautiful, sunny California in Huntington Beach. We have a little break from the rain. We are so grateful that we've had this overabundance of rain that we so desperately needed, and we are excited because we have an exciting, best-selling author who has had a tremendous journey to get to where he is at, and he's taken time out of his busy schedule to be with us. So let me tell you a little bit about this incredible phenomena of a human being that we have on today. This gentleman is a hard-nosed, battle-tested CEO who has taken the science of performance and the art of leadership to the next level. He's widely regarded as one of the brightest minds in business and innovation, And among his past and current clients are Fortune 500 companies such as Nike, Comcast, Microsoft, and many more. And he has turned around more than 60 small to mid-cap companies, earning him the moniker, The Architect. This is one and only Jason Cisneros. And he has achieved all of this through the development of a world-class operational system that creates a duplicatable and sustainable series of results in any type of company. His system uses, listen carefully, his system uses gamification to tie together a coherent strategy, accountability, and performance. So rather than continue to talk about him, let's talk with him. And listeners, I want you to pay close attention. If you're listening to this broadcast, whether live or afterwards on taping, This message is for you. This is a divine appointment. This is what you have been looking for and have been praying for. So pay close attention. Jason, thank you for being on the Bottom Line Show live today. It's my pleasure, and I'm glad you didn't set the bar too high. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my friend, when I met you at the pre-Grammy City Gala, I was blown away by your story. Because if anyone had an excuse to not make it in this world, to to fail and to live a life of mediocrity and struggle and just, you know, taking that route, you could have very easily chosen that path and you rose above unsurmountable odds. And so I honor you for stepping up to the plate and for using the God-given gifts that were deep down hidden inside you. And you had the courage to reach, you know, to dig in deep and to bring them forth and share your gift, you know, to the world. So thank you for that. Well, thank you very, yeah, thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on your show. And and, uh, I think, as you mentioned, it was an instant bonding um, between (laughs) two two, uh, spirits that have have, uh, gone through some rough times and, and just continue to, I think that at the end of the day, right, it's the secret. The secret is just don't give up, just don't quit. No, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's, that's probably what led us to, to be together, right? 
Yes, absolutely. And for our listeners, uh, you know, this show is to facilitate, educate, encourage, and empower people with the bottom line, true secrets to success. You know, we've got the rhetorical part that we want to hear about, but we also want to hear about that open heart space. And so one of the things that I like to call the attention to our listeners so that they, you know, I wish, you know, people in the past, there are certain ones who have shared some of these secrets with me, and there are others that I have figured out and come across them myself. And one of the things that I, I pay close attention to, when I meet somebody for the first time, as I did with you, I had that feeling, it's called, I call it a God feeling, because I don't know what other name to give it, but it's a, a very mm-hmm. distinctive God feeling that I have. It's, it, you know, some people may say, oh, those are just goosebumps. No, goosebumps feel a little bit differently. It's a different electrical, you know, sensation that I have in my being. And I know to pay attention mm-hmm. that there's some reason why your journey and my journey have coincided at a point in time where we have met, and time will reveal what we're supposed to do uh, together, whether it's just, I knew that once I met you and learned a little bit more about what you were doing, I thought, oh my gosh, it's a no-brainer, of course, I want to invite you to be on the show, and, you know, God, the universe will reveal whatever else is to come forward in well, the future. Well, and your your offer to help with uh with feedabillion.org, you know, right off the bat. It was, you know, that's, that's just uh, when people lead, right? This is part of the thing that when you're talking about what you look for in people, um, you know, there's a lot of people that, that are, are takers and there's, a, and there's a very, you know, I think there's a smaller group of people that are givers. And uh, usually those are the people that are getting taken advantage of, right? And so when you, when you do lead with that open heart space, you, uh, it opens you up to opportunities to be disappointed, to be used for other people to step Absolutely. in and do damage to you, right? And, uh, and one of the things I loved about you right off the bat was that your, your, instant, your instantaneous uh, <laughs> lead-in lead was, how can I help you? And I love that about you. So, so you know, I think we're probably going to go. We're, we're, we can officially call each other. We're in. We're in each other's uh, mutual admiration society, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I want to share with our listeners because you have uh, uh, your life story, and I'm not just saying this to stroke your ego or to pat you on the back. Although you deserve, you definitely deserve both. But you know, a lot of Thank people you. look at you. And they think, you know, you've always been this successful. You've always had a silver spoon in your mouth, and you've always had gold medals <laughs> hanging around your neck. And honestly, you know, that is a perception. Mm-hmm. People who meet people in business sure. who are well-to-do, people don't realize uh, sometimes it was a pretty rocky road. You know, you're drowning in the ocean with no, no sight of any land, you know, that you could swim to. And things can sometimes sure. get pretty dire. And so... I, I am so excited that you're willing to come here and share what that journey was like. So people, you know, my the thing that lights my fire is to give hope to the hopeless to make them hope-filled. You know, this yes. show is about people healing in all areas of life. And if we mm-hmm. can help just one set of ears out there to listen to your story and go, oh, my gosh, you know, Wow, I thought I had it. You know, yeah, I'm I'm going through a pretty rough time now. It's pretty dire. Um, but if he can do it, what if maybe I can too? And well, you just you just nailed part. the reason. Yeah, you've just nailed the reason why I do public presentations at all. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with with my you know with talking about me. It has nothing to do with with uh, you know the success that I 
happen to be enjoying now. And I say that I happen to be enjoying now because it hasn't always been like this, right? I mean, it's yeah. been, there's been ups. I've done really, really great. And then I've lost it all. And then I've done really, really great. And then I've lost it all. Yeah. There's been, you know, we, we have these ups and downs in life. And, and the reason why I share my story uh, with, you know, from stages and, and different venues is because it's, it literally is. And I've gotten, and I, I have the letters that I read on a consistent basis, the emails that I get from people that are, that, that, the, the ones that tell me, you know, look, I was, I was about to commit suicide. I heard you from stage or, or I heard your, your message on a, on a radio show or something of that nature. And that keeps me driving. Right. I mean, I surround myself with yeah. those people that, that doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter how well I've done or how bad I'm doing. It's just the, the fact that we're just a link in the chain. And, you know, I've got a friend of mine, uh, Jeff Frank, who runs an organization called uh, strength over suicide. And he, he lifts, he's a power lifter that lifts weights and, you know, and, uh, supports, uh, uh, you know, teen and youth, uh, suicide. He, he, he helps, uh, educate these people and, and, and on and on and on in my circle, right. Of, of people. So, so thank you. Uh, and, and my story is just that it's just, uh, it's just for you to say, look, no matter what your circumstance is, look, I, I was having a conversation, um, with, uh, the former editor of Forbes magazine just yesterday, actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Tom post, and we were talking about this very, very, very subject. And, um, and, and one of the keys by, uh, behind this concept is, and I wrote it down because it was so powerful. He, he has a really great way. He's a, he was an editor for 15 years of Forbes, right? So he's got a great mm-hmm. way of asking wonderful probing questions. And, and he said to me, he said, or we were talking, he said, what do you, what do you think, the reason is that drives you to continue to talk to people and to continue to, to, to lead in these things. And I said, it was, it's this one concept when we make a mistake in life, right? It, when we make a mistake uh, and as we all do, like my marriages, my, my businesses, I went bankrupt and couldn't pay my suppliers. Right. Um, I went, I, I, uh, I, I, I was, I got divorced, um, you know, because of infidelity and, you know, and, and, uh, I've had, I've had good experiences raising my kids. I've had bad experiences raising my kid. I've been in and out of jail. Um, you know, I've, I've been through multiple financial <laughs> upheavals in my life and, and these types of things. And, and, and at different points in time, my grandfather used to say to me, you know, Jason never believed your own press. And he meant that in, in, and I take that with me in all manners. Like when you're on top of the world and you're doing, you know, you're doing well, you, you can't believe you don't, you're not that good, Jason. You know what I mean? Like you're just not mm-hmm. that good, but also on the downside, when a company goes out of, out of business and I know a lot of business owners that are so tied there. I know my mine was in my first couple of businesses, especially your identity is so tied to your business that when your business goes under now, your whole identity uh, is, is that takes over is, is one of, of failure. Right. And that mm-hmm. you're a loser and that you're, and that you're stupid and that, and, that, and you know, all of these, these things that we tie emotionally to performance and to outward appearances to the rest of the world when who we are, who, who we are as a human being is the heart that beats inside of us. It's the brain that's in between our ears. It's the, it's the, the ability to come back from devastating uh, um, occurrences, uh, cancer and death and, 
and, and bankruptcy and failure and, and prison and, and, uh, and abuse and all of the things that we come, that is what makes us human beings. That's what inspires the people. It inspires two things in other people. It inspires the, the want for somebody to, to stand up and do it for themselves. And it also inspires the jealousy in people who are too fearful to do it for themselves. Right. They call them, I think on the internet, they call them trolls these days or they, you know, they have an actual name for them, but that's just somebody who's inspired uh, by a story that they are, are jealous of or, or, or have a negative connotation to, right? And, and so when we look at all of this, when we have these failures, this was the, the direction of the conversation that I had with him. I said, in general, when people make a mistake, there's two, there's two places. There are the people that are around you that just say, okay, you've made a mistake. Same Lillian, you've made a mistake. Now what you need to do, there's this special corner over here for you to go stand in for the rest of your life. You have lost all ability, all authority, all, all clarity, all, all um, integrity for, for ever being able to give advice to another human being. You go stand in that corner now, and I don't want to hear from you again until I'm at your, at your uh, funeral and we're reading your obituary, right? You have those people in life. They want to put yeah. us in that corner, right? Just like in the movie, right? Don't put baby in the corner. <laughs> You're not going to do that. Yeah. But the other person that puts us in that corner is ourselves, right? They put, we put ourselves in there. And, we're, and we put ourselves, we say, look, I tried. I tried this thing called a business. I tried this thing called a relationship. I tried this thing called losing weight. I tried this thing called whatever, right? And, and I mm-hmm. failed at it. And we don't, we forget this very concept that, what, that us, being a failure is as much a part. I did a, a Facebook live on this the other day where, where the being a failure and, and making mistakes is as much a part of success as the checks that you cash when you do a good deal. It's as much the, 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 uh, a part of the success as when you look down on the, on the scale and you've lost that 10 pounds. It's as much a part of, of, of the, the process of healing yourself from some disease or for, for some uh, physical weakness or some mental um, challenges that you may be going through. Failure is a must. It's a must. And if you learn that and then you seek it out, I get nervous in my life when, mm-hmm. when I'm doing too good, right? When I'm, when I'm having, <laughs> uh, when I've not made a mistake, when people are asking me and I'm like, and I have too, too, too fast of an answer for the right thing, right? Where I'm like, here's the answer. I start to question look, where do I need to push harder so that I can learn some lessons? Because we, you know, as Tony Robbins says many times, uh, you know, you, you, when, you, when you're suffering, you ponder. When you're winning, you party. And you don't learn anything when you're partying. <laughs> partying so. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it's so true. So what I'm hearing you say, you, you said failure is a must. In other words, failure, if we really um, – if we really are mindful, we can have failure be our friend and a teacher, is what you're saying. It should, it should be. As, it, it, so for me, uh, I'll take it as another. You're exactly right. But I would say failure should be your bedmate. Failure should be your passionate lover, something that you're seeking after, something that you're chasing with a passion so, because you know in it is all the gifts of your next level. In it is all your gifts wow. of of taking your life to the next level. It should be your bedmate. Wow. Wow, that's very not, counter <laughs> to what society tells us, too. Oh, my gosh. 
And and here's the other thing. Very counterintuitive. It's very counterintuitive, and it should be a new failure. Like let me let me make sure I put a caveat on there, right? Because if we make the same mistakes over and over and over again, now it's a choice, and the results that we're getting are 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 sort of our own fault, right? It should Mm -hmm. be a new failure. It should be failing at at a higher level, right? It should be Mm -hmm. a new concept, something that's pushing you outside of your of your comfort zone. And, and I get this all the time, and you'll, you'll probably get it from your responses from your people. Well, when, when do you ever get to enjoy the process, right? If you're constantly failing and you're seeking it and you're out, look, I enjoy it. I've learned to enjoy it. It's, it we as human beings, think about this. We, we own the capacity to define everything that happens to us. If you're raped, right, or if you're abused as a child or you're beaten, my, my adopted father broke my nose 18 times, you know, through my mom through walls. Times. Yeah, through me, through me, through my mom through walls. I stepped in front of her, started stepping in front of her when I was very young, and he beat the crap out of me so many times I can't even tell you. But, and, and, and I would, you know, uh, at, at the end of the day, guess who gets to define that part of my life? I, I did it earlier in my life. I was blaming it on him and I was poor me and poor this and poor that. And that's what caused me to be an alcoholic for me to lose my business, for me to cheat on my wife, for me to do, to, to have the failures that I was having in life uh, was because I continually blamed everybody else, you know, and it was not my fault because of my upbringing. Poor me, look at me. It's a, and, and guess what? The rest of, here's the problem is the rest of the world gives you love because of that. They give you love because of your failures. They give you love because of, of those, those things. Oh, Jason, poor Jason. He was beaten as a child, and, you know, and, and he had all these problems, and his daddy didn't love him. And, you know, and, and, then, all, and then you're sitting there going, oh, I get loved by, 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 that, by that aspect, right? And, and the opposite should be happening. You should say, yes, Jason, that happened to you. But what's the real definition? The definition is, is that that built in me, his, his uh, abuse built in me a strength that doesn't exist in a normal human being. It built in me an empathy so that when I had children and when I got married, I would not raise a fist. I would not raise a hand. I would not raise a finger to my wife to my, or to my children or, or to those people that were closest to me that I loved in, in violence or anger. Right, that I would become a, the hero of my own life. That when I got locked in my bedroom because my face was too was too jacked up, I would read books about uh, about heroes and and about good fathers and about good husbands and about good wives and about good families and 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 I could formulate that choice. And so when I got older and went and it was it was Tony Robbins again, where I where he taught me that I could redefine those things. And so now it built in me a strength. It built in me a caring. It built in me uh, uh, this, this power that doesn't exist in most people. And I thank him for that. I'm so grateful for my adopted father. I'm so grateful for the, the upbringing that I had, the pain, the getting kicked out at 16 years old and having to, 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 to uh, uh, support myself and the going to jail and learning all of these, these issues. I, he, I'm so grateful because now it's hard to beat me, right? It's hard yeah. to beat me because I'm so strong. And that was that twist, right? It's the world, it's my fault, poor me, blah, 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 to I'm strong because of it and thank you. 
right? It's a it's such a major shift for everybody listening to to be able to take their game to the next level. We define it. If there's something horrific that's happened to you, redefine it in a way that supports you. Mm-hmm. Redefine. So it's changing your frame of reference while you're in in facing that that's what appears to be a foe, but is really a friend failure, and absolutely taking something away from that experience and transforming absolutely. that energy that can easily take you further down. Because one of the yes. things that I've learned in life is that in, in whichever direction we choose to look at, whether it's success or failure, both are infinite. Things can always get infinitely worse or they can get infinitely better. The choice is yours which way you want to go. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well said. Well said. So, so tell our listeners, tell us your story. You know, 18 times having your nose broken. Holy cow. I can't even fathom one time, let alone 18. So what yep. happened? You know, you, you were born tableau rosa like us all as a baby. And uh, what, how did you grow up and what were the first, you know, tell us how you got here. So my mom had me as a baby, right? She was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, she had me as a baby. She ended up meeting my adopted father, um, who was a very violent, uh, a very violent individual who belonged to an organization that was paid good money to be violent and uh, was in, you know, in the drug distribution uh, arena, <laughs> let's say. Wow. Uh, you know, and we moved around a lot. She, so she married him um, along the way. Uh, and a lot, I get, I get a question a lot all the time, you know, about my mom. She tried, you know, she did try to leave multiple times. And this guy would hold my grandma or my grandpa or her sister at gunpoint until we would come back. He would, you know, if, if she was trying to step out of line, he would kidnap me and run away and, you know, threaten my life or whatever it was. It was just, you know, just crazy things that it's hard to really fathom that another human being would do to somebody that you care about, right? But um, he adopted me when I was six years old uh, and we moved around a bunch. And then when I was, um, I got heavily involved in sports so that I could avoid, uh, you know, being home as as much as humanly possible. Cause you know, the further I was away from him, the longer I was away from him, the, the less likelihood there was of, of a physical confrontation. And, and so I really threw myself into sports and my coaches, uh, coach Charlie White, was my wrestling coach and um, coach Daryl Holt was my, my football coach. And these guys were really, and they knew what I was going through and they, you know, they kind of took me under their wing and would let me stay at their house and would pay for stuff. Cause we were, you know, broke all the time and, and they would pay for uh, wrestling tournaments and so on and so forth. But we got, you know, got through that. And I was, uh, was, it was in Colorado that uh, my adopted father was when I was 17, finally went to prison for attempted murder of me and my, my mom. He had uh, sent the house we were living on to explode, and, and uh, it was just by, by pure providence that my mom and I didn't go home uh, because he had set the, the house to explode. He'd put, you know, he'd cut the gas pipes and, and put um, flints on every opening so that if anybody would open the door, the whole house would have blown up. And uh, we just didn't go home for a period of time for a couple of different reasons. My mom had her reasons and I had mine and the the Mm -hmm. neighbors called and and talked about the gas leak. So uh, they went in and found this whole thing and, and long story short, went through a trial and, and uh, he went to prison when I was 17 for attempted murder and multiple other charges. And um, that was, you know, 
that was about it. He sent people after me a couple times while he was in, and uh, you know, I, I followed in. The, I, you know, again, part of where you end up, where you end up, is I just I did what I knew, right? I I followed mm-hmm. in the family footsteps. I was dealing drugs. I was doing uh, illegal activities, and um, you know, I, and finally, what happened with me was I got to. I was at a, at a particular deal and um, I got stabbed in the chest the same, at the same time when my son was born and uh, that same week. And I decided, I decided, you know, and it, it was my mom who had taken me to church a few times. I'd read the Bible when I was locked in my room a couple of times, you know, and, and, you know, there was this thought process when I got stabbed. It wasn't about me because until then, up until that moment, it was about me wanting to leave the earth in a blaze of glory, right? Because that's how, that's how you do it. I, did, had, no, I had no uh, uh, idea or no, no desire to live past the age of 20, 25. I thought that would be old for me. <laughs> so wow. but there was this concept of, there was this concept of um, you know, the, the uh, sins of the father, right? And, it, mm, and it's, yeah. I, I'm not very religious. I, I don't want to pretend that I am. But, but I read something that said, sins of the father are born onto the children. And, and so I didn't want my son to live that lifestyle. And I, I just started to make different decisions. I said, I'm, I'm out of this lifestyle. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, and, and just started uh, really my first job, my first legitimate job was peeling logs and uh, hand peeling them for, I think five or $6 an hour. And, and uh, you know, and then went from there to, to laying tax strip and then that led into buying my first company. And from that, uh, I went bankrupt, uh, with the first company because I did, I, you know, as the psychiatrists were telling me back then, I started having panic attacks and had PTSD from my way I was raised and bipolar and all of these things that they say you are right when they want to label you mm-hmm. and, um, <laughs> right. They want to label you something. Yeah. And then again, it was just another way for me to get to not take personal responsibility for myself uh, was, was to say that there's all these things wrong, but I uh, lost that business, spent too much money, uh, you know, spent bankrupt basically three times. And then uh, when I ended up in Southern California and homeless for a period of time, and it wasn't like, I don't know how most of the people end up homeless, but how I ended up homeless was I just ran out of money. And then they kicked me out. I sold everything that was in the house. And then when all that was gone and I couldn't pay rent, they just kicked you out. And then, so I'm sleeping on the beach in Dana Point one night going, I think I'm homeless. <laughs> you know, wow. I think I'm a homeless guy now. So, uh, you know, went through that, went to a Tony Robbins event, um, which, you know, I was at a, I, I went to a, uh, a homeless shelter that was put on by Southern, in Southern California there by, by a guy by the name of, uh, Pastor Rick Warren, he's got a, and he had an outreach uh, homeless oh. shelter that was feeding people. And there was a, a pastor there, his name was Pastor Timmy, who handed me a Tony Robbins book and, and a Bible. And, I, you know, I tossed the Bible aside because I'm like, eh, that's not going to help me. <laughs> but I read Tony's book. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in there was, was the time, you know, him basically, there's a lot of concepts in Awaken the Giant Within. But, uh, but the main concept I got was that my life was my choice and that, that it was time for me to start making different decisions. And so I ended up uh, going in, to one of his events. I met him, shook his hand. Uh, my life changed from that event forever. 
and uh, went into, eventually went to work for him, became one of his top performers, and then went on the road, started buying companies and turning them around, and, and um, here we are, you know, all these years later, ups and downs and getting into the financial game at the wrong time and, uh, you know, losing my money, losing other people's money when, you know, trying to do stuff that I didn't have, had no earthly business being involved in. You know, I, I just, you know, I tell you these things because it's important for people to know I w- in no way, part of the, the reason why I think that I do well is because I don't try to hide all of the, 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 the stuff and I'm, I've been very, very good with my language on your show, <laughs> you know? yeah. but all of, all of the stuff that, uh, that I've done wrong because I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't have the capacity for knowledge. I wouldn't have the information that I have why some of the top companies in the, in, in the world and in the country seek me out for my advice is because I have screwed up everything that you could possibly screw up in business, almost going to prison for securities fraud when, and I didn't. And, um, you know, being investigated by the DOJ because my name was associated with another bad date, bad deal. And, you know, um, just, just being in, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, having uh, an overabundance of, of, of uh, ambition mixed with uh, uh, enough stupidity and, uh, and the right mixture of fearlessness put me in really bad decisions, you know, in pretty, pretty bad places at different times. When I hurt myself, I hurt other people, uh, people that believed in me and believed in my businesses and my business model um, and, you know, and put money in with me and, and we, we lost it and, you know, lots, just ups and downs and, and coming back from that, trying to make all those things right and coming back from all of that and, and being here now, right? Being here now, looking for the, next, for the next level of service and making my life really about serving at a super high level, right? Feed a billion, a part of the Operation Underground Railroad where we went, for, you know, where we go and save uh, little, little girls that are being used as sex slaves around the world and helping companies not make the same mistakes I did, giving advice to business owners and, and to people that are like, you know, one of my rules now is I don't take any investment dollars. You can't invest in anything I'm doing. I'm not going to invest in anything you're doing, but if you have a problem with your business, I can fix it. Right. That's, that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the direction that's at. And, and it's all about service now and, and all about continuing to up my game. So that's, that's what put me on this phone and on your radio show with you. Yeah. I mean, it's, think about it, um, you know, for anybody, I think, who hears, you know, feed a billion. Holy cow, that's a pretty lofty goal to go after yep. feeding a billion people on this planet. But yet there you are. You're CEO of mm-hmm. Feed a Billion, and you actually have a mission to feed a billion uh, people on this planet. And the, basically, the ship has left port, and it is in progress. It is happening. So take us, you know, because you know you you again you came from the worst adversity possible. You had you had every reason to really off yourself early on. You know, you know, I would imagine after, yeah, I mean, if anybody was looking for an excuse to get off the planet quick and end the pain and the misery, you had hundreds of of opportunities probably, you know, that that presented itself where you're like, you know what, life ain't worth living, you know, let's just end this, right? 
you know. Mm-hmm. And so there's probably somebody out there that is experiencing a terrible amount of pain right now who is probably wanting to, you know, you know, find answers or or end it all. So take us to to that point where you, you know, I can't imagine. Here you are. You've lost everything. You know, at that deepest, there's, deepest there's dark There's two times. Point. There's yeah. There's two really, really specific times. Right. So there was a time in between when my adopted father got charged, um, yeah. and he bailed out, and then he disappeared on the bail, and he was on the run. Mm-hmm. And my mom and I were in in this protective custody, and you know, in this place that, that he he found, and uh, he knocked so on you the were door in constant night. fear, I would imagine. It, 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 well, I mean, that's my entire life. I mean, I, literally, I would have to sleep w- with one eye open because if he came home drunk one night, you know, or, or whatever, he would just come in and, and just imagine a sleeping kid and a full-grown adult coming in and full, full throttle smashing him in the face with your fist, for, you know, while he's asleep, right? It yeah, just doesn't – those understand. were the kinds of things. <laughs> you learn to sleep with an eye open is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you well, know? yeah. So, so you never so really was, got rested, yeah. No, no, there was never – to this day, I won't – you know, I basically won't sit with my back to, a, to an open door. It's, uh, it's, it's something that sticks with you. But there was, a, there was a specific time when we knew he was out there. We knew he was desperate. We knew now that he was – and he knew that he was facing prison time and, and um, so on and so forth. So uh, he found this shelter, knocked on the door, and told me he – he showed me a gun, and he said, come with me. And he, you know, he put his finger up to his lips and just said, hey, you know, just be quiet and come with me. So I went, got in the car with him, and he started to drive me out to, to this, um, this place in Rifle, Colorado, called Rifle Dam. And, uh, uh, and we were on our way out there, and I knew what was going to happen before he even started saying anything. Wow. He said he, he was going to shoot me, throw me in the lake, and they were going to find me at some point in time. So... Um, on our way out there, he's just ranting and raving. He's saying what he's going to do. And he's like, you know, at least you saved your, your mom's life tonight because I'm not going to go back and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, so this whole, and, and you just, you, it's, you know, what are you going to do? I just sat there for this entire ride out. But we got to the lake and he's still ranting and raving. And um, he said, okay, get out of the car. And I knew, I knew what that meant. I knew exactly what that meant. And, so I get out of the car, and I felt this overwhelming peace, just this like a like a, a presence, right? Or or mm-hmm. you know, I I mean, again, like I said, I'm not very religious, but call it an angel, call it spirit, call it God, call it universe, call it whatever you want. Um, it was completely present there at that moment, and I had just I thought, well, this is a sign that I'm just accepting my fate and it's done. But now that mm-hmm. I look back on it, it was more like there's a reason for you to be here. And mm-hmm. that calm, I think, fell over him. He got in the car and left me there. It was about 17 miles um, back. And so I started walking back. And then I started thinking, oh, my God, he's going back after my mom. So I ran and, yeah. you know, ran as fast as I could back to the town. And, and he, didn't, he didn't get there. But ironically, that night they actually picked him up. Um, and that's, that was the last time that he was um, not, in, not in prison until a few years ago and he's he's since passed away he got into a car accident um and and is now passed away but uh so there was that time and then when i was going through this homeless thing i kept two things i kept a, a wallet full of of 
credit cards that were no good, but it made kind of connected me to my old life that I could be successful, that I could eventually feed myself. <laughs> but when I was homeless and I had a, and I had a gun and I went out and sat on, on a little cliff in Southern California there and I was just going to end it. And that same sense of, uh, of peace came over me and, and it was just, we know like every individual, and I say this because not for me, but for the people that, are, that may be listening to this, there's, you're here for a reason. Like you're here for a reason. And you know, and, and the thing that, that, that I try to remind people of is the reason that you're here is that thing that you're suffering with, right? If it's a mental, uh, you're going through some mental problems or you're going through some physical problems or you're going through relationship problems or some abuse or some, you know, or sexual abuse or, or uh, whatever that thing that it is, that you're feeling that pain of not wanting to be here anymore, that it, if you dig into that, if you face it, if you, if you embrace it, inside of that is a, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional, but inside of that is, is why you're here. Because so many people need you. So many people need you to step up. Other people, whether it's your children or somebody around you that's watching you or, or, or somebody that, that, that cares about you or, or, or somebody you don't even know, right? There's a, a great book that I read that, that impacted me at such a big uh, uh, a high level. It was Ben Sherwood um, called The Survivor's Club. And there's a story about this person that, that, that was started crying and cried and, got, and it was in San Francisco and got on a bus and then got on a train and then got on a trolley and went by hundreds and thousands of people on their way to the, to the bridge to jump off the bridge. And they said, and they, and they were going there to commit suicide. And they said, if one person, if one person would have said what's wrong, they wouldn't have jumped. Right. How, why are you crying? What's, what's going on with you? And, and it, and it, and that's the, that's the capacity. I know that the way that we build that muscle, it's like going to the gym, you know, to get big biceps. It's not fun. Nobody enjoys that process, but, but that pain that you may be sitting with inside of that, if you face it, focus it on it and you jump inside of it, you embrace it, you love it. You make it your best friend inside of there is the reason that you're here because we're here for two reasons in my opinion. And again, I'm not a philosopher, but I've come up with a very simple way of thinking that we're here for two reasons. One to serve and uh, one's to get, sorry, one's for us to get as, uh, um, for personal growth, for us to get as good as we possibly can with the talents and tools that we've been given for the reason of service. And, and, and if you're doing anything other than trying to serve other people, if you're, if you're head over heels in depression right now, go to a cancer um, ward at the church or at the, at the hospital Go to an old folks' home where people have dementia. Go somewhere where somebody's suffering worse than you and don't make your life about you anymore because anytime you do, there's pain involved. It's pain. Anytime you're focused on, you know, patting your own pockets and, and, and um, you know, patting yourself on the back or getting attention for yourself or, or, or getting attention for yourself because you want people to say poor you, that's all pain. That's where the pain exists. If you're in full-throated service of other people, you don't have time to feel sorry for yourself. You must, no. at the, at, you must get better. You must increase your skill set. If I'm going to help feed a billion people, I've got to get better at what I do. 
if I'm going to go on more of these, these raids and, the, and these things to save little girls that are being raped, you know, little seven, six, three, three-year-old girls that are being raped six and seven times a night, you know, I can't sleep with the idea that if I could, if I could say, if I can impact that, if I could help that, you know, that I can't sleep at night thinking that that's happening and I can do something about it. Right. Yeah, something within the your money power that we your make. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's the money that we make and the, and the profits and the, all these other things are just tools for us to be able to serve at a higher level. And I believe that now. You know, there's times in my life when I tried to take the easy shortcut. Every single time I hurt me or other people. Now I don't take shortcuts. I fix businesses uh, from the base up. I don't take shortcuts. I don't try to raise money. I don't try to, to, to do, um, you know, things that aren't legitimate. I don't like, uh, you know, am I doing drugs and, and uh, you know, getting involved in that whole thing? That was all trying to shortcut the process. You can't shortcut it. And when you realize that, then you have a sustainable flow of income or a sustainable flow of resources. It doesn't always have to be money that will support you on your path because it takes money to go save little kids. It takes money to feed people. It takes money to do these things. It takes action. It takes, it takes integrity. It takes all of the things that, that can't exist in a self-serving um, body, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does make sense. So would you say that in, in, in those moments, you, you had two very distinct moments where you talked about how your, your you know, father came and, you know, literally, you know, kidnapped you. And you mm-hmm. had that overwhelming peace that came over you. And apparently it affected him too. So, you know, whatever that divine energy was, obviously something was happening. Would you say that you're, you're, you were at that point open and receptive to so what was going to happen, that you would be okay? Because you did mention that you have, you know, that peace that surpasses, you know, your left brain thinking, you know, your normal sense of understanding. Yeah. It's, and, I th- and as I think back about this, it's a wonderful question that you asked. Because as I think back over this thing called my life, there's never been a day that I really didn't, that I wasn't taken care of. You know what I mean? That I wasn't, yes, mm-hmm. there was, I was driven down, there's several days and sometimes weeks at a time when, when there would be no food or, or, you know, during the worst of the abuse and all those other kind of things. But there, but I was always taken care of, right. There's, there was, there was always something I think in, in one of the, the spiritual books out there, it says, it says that the birds of the, even the birds are, are taken care of, right. On a day to day basis. And so I've, I, the overwhelming piece was it's going to be okay, whether you're transitioning into, an, you know, to the other side, uh, you know, or you're staying here, it's, it's, it's just going to be okay. You know, mm-hmm. you're here for a reason. Your, your, your reason isn't fulfilled, and there's something next, you know, all, and you're going to be okay. You're just going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, you're not alone. You're not yeah, alone. you aren't alone. So it seems to me, it, it feels like at that moment you were open. Yes, very because uh, you, open or beat down because I'm so freaking um, stubborn. <laughs> you know, just something so we share in common, that it, right? That it just took mm-hmm. it just took absolutely ripping everything away for me to be receptive and open to 
to my next shift, my next level, um, you know, to take my game to the next level. It's uh, crazy, you know, craziness. But, yes, definitely yeah, creative openness. So let's talk – this is an area that I think few people talk about. But So you had a very distinct transition when you're literally homeless, and uh-huh. so someone, uh, you know, gifted you a ticket to go to, you know, Tony Robbins, and now you had a complete different – you know, an aware your awareness was expanded and increased because of what you were exposed to, which was a gift. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there an must have been gift. a much, yeah, that's an absolute gift. So now you know you have to be your own trailblazer because now you have to exercise muscles that you've never exercised before. You know, that's a yep. much different feeling on the inside. You know, mm-hmm. from what you've done, everything up until that point, you had conducted yourself making X type. XYZ type of decision making, but now you're like your awareness is expanded. Now you see a different realm of possibility. You have had the hand of grace that has literally touched you in a tangible way, manifesting in this mm-hmm. experience at a Tony Robbins event. What was the feeling inside of you as you're now taking a different approach to your decision making? And obviously, your feelings are much different now, too. What was that mm-hmm. like? Well, I want to be. I want to uh, make, correct the record just a little bit. I wasn't gifted a ticket to Tony Robbins' event. I was given a book, and then I got to his first event by doing my last drug deal. I did it. I did a drug deal, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mm-hmm. did my last mm-hmm. one was so that I could go to Tony's event. So, and uh, that was the last one I ever did. I promise. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Uh, okay. But but yeah. So I, so going to that event um, and stepping back into the you know, to the first exposure to Tony, it was, I, I think, um, I'll say this jokingly, but the first thing was, oh, Tony cusses like a sailor, uh, which shocked me <laughs> when he's on stage in front of 6,000 mm-hmm. people, but, um, but the, but the, which, which was, uh, uh pretty hilarious, but, um, but opening up and, and just him handing the tools, right. Just saying, here's the tools, here's a few things like, you know, the, the idea, the idea that, that our, our current existence is a, is a combination of physiology, focus, language, and emotion, mm-hmm. coupled with intensity and repetition. Just that formula, right? Just that one formula means that, oh, my physiology, how I hold my body. Okay, yeah, I could see where a homeless, defeated guy, like I've, I had that physiology, so to straighten up and to put your chest out and to put your eyes forward and your chin up and to take a deep breath and, you know, that it changes everything, your physiology, your focus. What am I thinking about? What's the language of the conversation that I'm having inside my own mind, right? Much less with the outer world. What are the words that I'm using in, in, my, uh, in my conversations? What am I focusing on? If I'm focusing on what's missing, I'm going to get more of that. If I'm focusing on yes. what resources are actually at my fingertips, I'm going to get more of that. So my focus was something that was a tool. My uh, language, what, what are the words? I could go from, in, in my la- if you talk to any of my kids, they'll tell you the one thing that, that, what did dad teach you in your life? Cisneros, don't say can't, right? That you, yes. Every one of my children will tell you that because we, yes. don't, we don't believe in the word can't. We just believe in I need to ask the right person. I need to get the right piece of knowledge. I need to have the right tool, right? So the language we're using, um, stupid or, oh, my gosh, I'm lazy or, oh, I, I've got this habit. Um, you know, I've got this habit or I'm, 
I'm an addict, right? This is another thing. Like, you know, uh, what, what is, because the words that you say after I am is your identity. And everybody knows that. Everybody, you know, everybody that's read anything about this subject. Yeah, so, the power and your of emotion. Yes, yeah, the power of words. And, and then you go into your emotion. What emotions am I choosing to have? Right? When somebody calls me on the phone, hey, how are you doing? What do you say? Well, I'm best as I can do or whatever. I always answer the phone with changing the world. Right? Changing mm-hmm. the world, baby. This is what I say mm-hmm. because that's the words that I want to be true. And then uh, coupling that with, with repetition over and over and over again because you, you, you only start to believe that you're, that you're out of overweight or that you're worthless or that you're sad or you're depressed or whatever because you've thought it a million times with repetition. And then you add on top of that intensity, like, oh, I'm depressed, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having panic <laughs> attacks, right? Yeah, you put it with passion, and now you're screwed. And, and it's not anybody else's <laughs> fault but your own because, you're, because you're, you're choosing it and you're repeating it over and over and over again. So, you know, so that one formula gave me the tool to say, I'm going to change all of my language, I'm going to change my focus, I'm going to do it in an in a interruptive way consistently until I've developed a new pattern of I am powerful, I am a servant, I am a lover, I am a father, I am a, a success, I'm a, you know, a, a world, world-changing motivational speaker, I'm the brightest uh, business, uh, business mind on the planet. You know, these are the things that now I believe, right? Some of them have mm-hmm. come true and some of them have yet mm-hmm. to come true. But, but these are, they're just much better way. If you're going to, if what you believe 99% of the time does not come true, why not make it something awesome? Of course. Makes so much sense. <laughs> why not make it something awesome? That's, that's my whole philosophy, I think. Makes a lot of sense. And yeah, there are, it's, it's amazing how, we have so much power with the words that we speak and the words that mm-hmm. we think. The conversations mm-hmm. that we have, not just with people on the outside, but that we have with ourselves. And mm-hmm. uh, I, with my kids as they were growing up, I remember, I remember hearing mom say all the time, it's like, oh, don't forget to, and then inevitably the kids would forget. And so I was yep. mindful always about with my kids, I never tell them, oh, don't forget to. My language was remember to. Remember. Take out the trash. Yep. Remember to take your backpack. Remember to take that extra pair of shoes for your game today. Whatever. It was remember to because I was giving them a command and a positive direction as opposed to having them focus on what I didn't want. I didn't want them to forget. So why bring up forget? That's right. My point was remember That's to. Right. And such a subtle shift things, with such ra- huge ramifications, right? Yeah, and I catch people saying that all the time. Oh, don't forget. I don't want you to forget. Well, the brain doesn't hear the don't, so what happens when you hear, I don't want you to forget. What you do is you forget because that's the command you have. Exactly. Got. Right? Don't spill and, that. You know, don't, don't mm, drop that. Right? Don't, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty hilarious. Make sure you catch that as opposed to don't drop that. Yeah, so if we, yep. we start to – we don't recognize uh, oftentimes how much uh, power we have in w- the words that we say to ourselves and to others – and it's interesting because we, you know, I really believe that, you know, there are these principles. Sometimes we're really good at some of these principles maybe in our physical life. So maybe, you know, we're physically fit and we're doing awesome in terms of uh, any workout regimen, sports and so forth. And then uh, maybe you're also good in, in terms of your um, maybe business, but maybe in your, you know, relationships and so forth. Maybe you're not, not so great. 
and you're you're right. not consistent in doing it with relationships, but you're great. Maybe in business relationships you are, but maybe in personal relationships you aren't. And you you start to recognize, oh wait a minute, I do this here and I do this here, but I don't do it here. Uh, then maybe that's why you're getting those type of results in that one area. And I just heard a lady who has a for the last 15 years she has an incredible uh, production company where they do wireless audio and visual and she's had record breaking numbers year after year after year and she's really good with her with her words and she recognizes that she had to match frequencies and so forth not only to get you know uh, great results in her business and she's operating by her own admission at 99.99% in that business and but she's having issues in her personal life and just in the last 24 hours, she had the recognition that she wasn't the thing that she was doing in her business, where she where she's matching frequencies and she's speaking um, speaking things into existence. Really, in her business, she wasn't doing that on a personal side. And so mm. here she's alone, not wanting to be alone. But her words on her personal side was, "I don't want to be alone. I don't want to grow old. I don't want to blah blah blah." And and it's in ignorance because she's doing it fabulously on her business side. Mm -hmm. And she just gained the aha that, oh, wait a minute. I already know the formula. I just have to apply this. Maybe this works on my personal life, too. Right. (laughs) Exactly right. Yeah. And that's what you've done. You've had adversity that you had, uh, you know, you started off as a kid with unsurmountable adversity and you started to apply these principles, you know, as you mentioned, how things unfolded and things, you know, started to happen. And you had this greater awareness and and you moved forward knowing that if you applied this in these different areas, that it, it everything would unfold. And that's not to say that we don't have challenges, that we don't have problems, because that, I believe that any time you're this, on this side of the, the greens and you're not six feet under... You know, the only mm-hmm. people who don't have problems are those of that elite exclusive club that are six feet under who've already shooken off their meat suit and, you know, they're flying around, you know, in the universe as energy without a body. Mm-hmm. And right. I'm not quite ready to go there yet. <laughs> so we just have to recognize that those problems are oftentimes not just our foe, as you so eloquently said, failure is a must. And it is indeed and can be, if we pay attention, can be a, a friend. And we can guard I, I have some of those the, I have the belief things. that I have, I'm spending every day in service, in righting the wrongs of my past, of, um, of, of doing my best to lift somebody up in my present and for me to step into the biggest best version of who I can be in the future. And that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I don't have time to tear other people down. I don't have time to, you know, to, 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 to have anything negative to say about anyone else because there's enough crap going on in me. And, and when that job is done, then that's when I'll be taken. And I know my job will be done. I'm going to work my guts out to, to make an impact until that happens. And then I should be happy to go, you know, <laughs> when it's time. Yeah. 
So tell us, um, what is it uh, with Feed a Billion? It's a it's a big goal. Um, I believe um, AJ, your partner, uh, managed to get Tony Robbins to match a certain amount for Feed a Billion. Tell us a little bit more about yeah. Feed a Billion. What has happened recently, and how people can get involved to help you gain the goal of feeding a billion people on this planet. Fantastic. Well, yeah, Feed a Billion was conceived. Um, Ambu's Jane, who's my, who is uh, a, just an amazing soul, an amazing. You met him, he is. and um, yeah. and he's he's, you know, like there's there's a lot of people that see it together, and we, when we work together. You know, I came from I came from a dark beginning and a dark background, and he came from a light background, and somehow we the two of us met, and and just I love the guy. Like he is mm-hmm. he is him and his wife are two of the most genuine, amazing human beings that you'll ever meet on the face of the planet. Well, he asked me, um, called me up, and you know, the first time that we talked about it, I said no, because I get asked once a day or so mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to help out with the charity. Yeah. Right. And you have uh, you know, initially I, don't you? I have multi, yeah, a ton of businesses and, and, uh, and I get asked to, to help with charities and I, I do my best, you know, whatever I can support, I support. Uh, but, but so I told him no. And, and then, you know, he called back again. He's very persistent. And, and uh, I said, yeah, I'll come in and help you. And, and so we came in, we structured a very unique way. And when I look at things, I, I look, Whatever, whenever it's a business, if we're consulting for a company or it's one of my companies that I bought for for the pri- my private equity, uh, I always look for what what are the things that work, and what are the things that don't work within this industry. Right? And with food and with hunger, the the concept over the last twenty years, if you're looking for KPIs or key performance indicators, right, or leader mm-hmm. lag measures, by every capacity in the world, we are failing to feed people. We have the complete capacity in our hands today to end the suffering of hunger. There's no reason why somebody should, should die. uh, But one, two, three, four, somebody just died. One, two, three, four. Another person just died of hunger, not hunger related diseases, not hunger related issues. Somebody just dropped dead from not having enough food. And, and this is, and there's, you know, it's crazy. 20, 21, some 2,100, or you can multiply it, but 2,100 people a day, right, around the world. It's just, it's insane. Um, so, so basically looking at the problem, we said, okay, well, if all metrics have gotten worse over the last 20 years, what can we do to innovate? And we looked at the ice bucket challenge. We looked at the, uh, the push-up uh, for suicide challenge, and we said those were fantastic at raising um, you know, social engagement. Uh, but they didn't translate into a whole lot of money for those causes, right? So what are the other things? When you're a company, like, you know, my companies, we get hit up every day for, for donations to different things. And so what could we do to add value to a company that would not entail them having to write yet another check for yet another charity and, mm-hmm. uh, and for them, you know, because businesses are surrounded by people that want their money for basically doing nothing like insurance and taxes. And, and, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to get into my political views, but, um, you know, <laughs> but, but, but we're, they're constantly surrounded by people who want, who, you know, they, they're producing, they're producing revenue and producing income. And so people who want money go to these places where it's producing just much like you would go to a river if you wanted water. 
So, uh, but, but, but it gets tiring being a business owner because you want to support everything, but you, you just can't and have a, a thriving business at the same time. So what we did was we said, how, why don't we take those people that, that, that would be social warriors uh, that, that, that raise such great awareness in those other two um, um, subjects, and why don't we connect them with businesses via social media and, and have their social media budget go directly to somebody that's sharing or liking on Facebook and connect those two. And now you've taken uh, a social media budget is much more impactful. We did this. We tested this, this, um, this strategy with a company called livebearded.com. And livebearded.com uh, te- you know, did it in the month of November. They did an A-B test against their normal um, uh, uh, social media strategy versus um, doing it with Feed a Billion, and they had a 1,200% increase in engagement and and um, and top line sales wow. in one month. So that's value add, right? Now we're adding value. We're not just taking and asking people for donations, which we love. If somebody will just mm-hmm. go to feedabillion.org and write us a check, we love that, right? We're happy about mm-hmm. that. <laughs> of course. But we also wanted to innovate. Um, and, and then, uh, and, and to be able to, to have it be a difference, how, how could giving to this amazing cause actually add money to your bottom line as an organization? And so we figured that piece out. And then on the other side, we didn't want to be another organization that, that had to go out and figure out, cause you go all around Africa, there's different issues in different countries. You know, you go into, for instance, Uganda, or you go into, um, uh, Kenya, and, you know, to get through the port in Kenya, you've got the warlords there, whoever may happen to be in power at the time. And, and you have to get your food past them, and they steal it or take it or whatever it is because it's more valuable than gold, right? Can't eat gold. And people that are out in these villages with no food and money have no use for gold. So it's more valuable than gold. So you can donate to a great cause, and it ends up uh, being stolen and, and not used or going bad or whatever. So what we did was we went on a mission to find the best distribution centers that have figured these things out in the world. And one of, you know, for instance, uh, Serve uh, is one that we're working with in Africa. If you go to my Facebook or you go to Feed a Billion on on Facebook, Mm -hmm. you can see the faces of the kids and the meals that we actually feed them because they figured this out there. Feeding America here in the United States, um, you know, uh, 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 Deepak Chopra's Akshapayatra in India. So we're all over the world. Um, but but these the one thing that they have a hard time doing they figure out the how to, but they're not really great at, at um, bringing in resources. And so what we decided to do is to resource those things, those businesses, and have a pass through. Neither I nor AJ take a dime. We don't take a salary. Yes, I'm the CEO, but um, not only do I not take a salary, nor will I ever take a salary. Mm-hmm. But I also have put hundreds of thousands of dollars in to get this thing off the ground, as has um, as has AJ, and uh, wow. and so we're it, we're in it for it to basically pass through straight directly to the to the to the places that need it through raising awareness on the social media side through innovating through bringing in uh, you know uh, donations and money from corporate sponsors and uh, and also from people who want to purely donate but where we believe that we've come up with a really great solution to support this space. Yeah, and, and I know for for several years now, I, I had a scientist, uh, Dr. Sa'i Tabibsadeh, who has, uh, I remember when he first came on the show, I think the first time was about three years ago, and he talked about how 40% of the world's food is wasted. 
And with that yeah. 40% of food that we currently have that's being wasted, we could feed everybody on the planet everybody. and still have leftovers. Everybody. everybody. So what you're saying everybody. is scientifically proven. And yeah. one of the number one problems with the food, that 40% that is literally thrown away that nobody benefits uh, from is that that food spoils. And he yep. says, um, and of course, you know, there's an issue of, of distribution, but that food, it's, I can't remember what the actual dollar amount is. It's actually an astronomical number. But there is actually the science is already in place where you could take, it doesn't matter what kind of, what, what kind of produce it is, and you could increase the shelf life of that food, which currently, if you take a cantaloupe or an apple or, or a tomato and you put it on a desk and you leave it unrefrigerated, you know, on a desk, you know, within three or four days, it starts to, to rot. Well, yes. science already has discovered what you could do to that fruit, the, those vegetables, etc., so that that same cantaloupe, apple, or tomato could be put at room temperature on a desk or a shelf someplace, and a month later, it is still in perfect condition. And with Absolutely. that... You could help feel, you know, because now if it takes two weeks to transport that food to wherever, that food is still fresh, and now it can be given to, you know, to whatever population, whatever group of people who are currently going hungry, and now they don't have to die of hunger. So it's a matter right. of connecting the dots, and that's why I think it's so important for us to have these conversations, and as we meet people that can help in any way, shape, or form, yes, money is needed, but knowledge and distribution and and volunteers of people, you know, and hands collaboration. on the ground yeah. and collaboration. All of those mm-hmm. things are needed. And so everyone, yeah. you know, if you're listening to this show and you're like, but, but, you know, I don't have a lot of money to give, it doesn't matter. You can still volunteer and be someone who's helping out give out the food. You might be somebody you who can wants go to, to volunteer. You can go to, yeah, you can go to Facebook right now and like, um, face, uh, feed a billion, and that'll create a meal. You can share the page, and that'll that'll feed ten people. You can do that right now, just right now. from clicking the like. Yeah, right now. Okay. We're, so we, if somebody we, goes to feed system. a billion, oh yep. my gosh! So there's so is there like a matching uh, donor? Is that part of the Tony Robbins thing? Because I, I I remember seeing Tony Robbins pictured with your partner where. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that story because that's very encouraging. That's a big chunk of change that's moving yeah, forward. Yeah, so if here. you go there, I mean, I say that you fit, you know, if you share it, you get 10 meals. It's actually, we have a, a company, a corporate a company like, you know, for, or sorry, like Live Bearded or, or somebody like that that's on there that has a budget in there for when you do that, they then donate in your name. And then Tony Robbins comes alongside and, and donates 10 meals. So really, a share creates 20 meals. Um, oh, you know, with, with just a share. It's really crazy. So what happened was yeah. at this event, and I saw the video of it happening because I wanted to make sure that, that AJ was, you know, uh, he would never lie, but I just wanted to see it from my own eyes. You know, so he, he stood up and he said, look, you've already fed 200 million. We want to match. We want to, we want to raise, we want to feed a billion. That's your mission too. And uh, what we'd like to do is we'd like to feed 400 million and we'd like you to match 400 million on your side. And and Tony just said, like his giant heart always does, he said, I'm in. And, wow. and then we started, you know, started up Feed a Billion and, 
you know, he's donating a bunch to already right off of his books, uh, his new book, which you should go out and get right now called Unshakable. That donates directly to Feeding America um, meals. And, you know, we don't really care who gets the credit at the end of the day. We just want to make sure a billion people get fed and that the awareness is raised to such a point that we solve it for good and not just for a temporary time. We believe that if we do feed a billion, innovation um, solutions will come along that this one of those problems, like when Bill Gates decided to point his finger at malaria and, and tell it to go away, that's what we want to do with hunger. Wow. So I am going to put on my personal Facebook page, our studio, and the Bottom Line Show Live, because 20, just by, I mean, I can't imagine, this is incredible, just by clicking like and sharing this on your page, 20 meals are released for 20 people to be fed. Is that correct? That's 100% correct. That is And awesome. then you can join Everybody. a team. We've almost got it set up to where you can join a team. I mean, we would like Nike and Google and all these other people to come in, mm-hmm. but you can join a team, and we're going to have races and competitions to see who can get us closest to the billion meal mark. And November 20th of 2020 is our deadline, and we're going to be planning on having a huge celebra- celebration and, and uh, you know, different uh, – luminaries and entertainers and people being there and having a big celebration because we fed a billion by 20 November 20th of 2020. Wow. This is absolutely spectacular. So at the very minimum, everyone, if you're listening on this show, you need to click the like and share button for feed a billion. It's on Facebook. If you put it in your search uh, in Facebook, feed a billion just by clicking like and sharing it on your page 20 meals will be released for 20 people to be fed. So, and I encourage you all to go to Feed a Billion and see what other ways you can volunteer. Whenever they have events, they're going to need, you know, volunteers for all sorts of different things. If you have time, if you have money, if you have influence, or all three, please. Uh, this is, you know, we all benefit from this, all because uh, we're all connected. As we save Absolutely. other lives, as we improve and impact the lives of others, the vibration of the planet, the love, everything increases. And so I may not be directly impacted by this, but at the same time I know that, yes, because I have fellow brothers and sisters around the world who are right now dying of hunger, I may not know their name, I may not know what their face looks like, but it's another human being that needs disgrace upon them. So. Jason, we're here at the top of the hour. You've been an amazing guest. I so look forward to continuing our journey together and anything I can do to help move this forward. I, you know that I've got your back. I, I know you do, and you've, you've done that with more with, I mean, just with your actions and your immediate uh, service heart. And thank you for having me on your show and believing in me enough to, to bring me on here. And, and uh, I hope I added value to you and your, and your crowd and, and uh, look forward. We're going to be connected for a very, very long time. So I'm looking forward to the next time we see each other in person. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, at the Bottom Line Show Live. It's been a pleasure having you. We circle back every Wednesday at 11, 11 a.m. to hear more about the bottom line on the secrets to success and uh, peace and love always. <laughs>